Good Tuesday evening. Welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies Tuesday Night Flight. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG sitting in with the one, the only, the incomparable, the undefeated, undisputed, uh, uh, unmatched, uh, 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 fat poet himself, the Midnight Rider. Ben. <laughs> What's up, man? What's going on? What's going on, man? Ain't nothing much, man. Just a lot of news stories, a lot of things coming out, you know. So it, I love when it all comes out on a Monday night and a Tuesday afternoon because I mean we get to talk about it and we ain't got to wait so long. And my hair is not cooperating tonight. Hold on, because my wife sees that she's gonna pitch a you know what. All right, we good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you good. Now. So, <laughs> um, man, let's jump right into this. Uh, Derek Carr leaves Las Vegas. They released him. He goes to um the Saints and. I didn't I tell you she's gonna pitch it. You know what? If I ain't fix it, I made sure yep. I fix it. She's standing right here giving me that look. <laughs> <I saw it. laughs> and she said she saw it. <laughs> oh man, that's why I, I said like, the no same thing you said earlier. You saw my want to get a shirt. I was like, yo, I don't want to see nothing get thrown on the screen and hit you upside the head. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I told her she told me you need to put a shirt on. I said, Yeah, I got to. I said, My wife doesn't like it when I bring out the gun show on camera. So you know. I got you, man. So David Carr to New Orleans. Derek Carr. Um, I hope I hope I hope Derek Carr, David Carr not going to New Orleans. <laughs> well, that's that's worse. Yeah, Derek Carr. I'm sorry. Um I think we kind of got the preview of this in the mm-hmm. beginning. Uh, I think he kind of played his hand and then kind of slow played it out just to see if he could get more money out of it. And I think he ended up right around because I think he kind of set the floor for um Daniel Jones, which I know we'll talk about later on. Um, old Danny Dimes getting his paycheck. Um, but the beauty of it is it's not a whole lot of guarantees. It's a four-year deal. It's the most time four years. The first two years are the guaranteed money. The third year is probably out with a penalty, and the fourth year is out with no penalty. So, I mean, it's kind of kind of a good place for him to go, best defense he's ever had. Yes. Um, besides that defense where I think that was Jack Del Rio when he was playing for them, the Raiders. And they were like 12 and four and they go to the playoffs and they have to start the quarterback from uh, Penn State. I can't think of his name. But he ended up being their starting quarterback for the playoffs because um, Dirk Carr got hurt in the, like the last two games of the season. So having that defense, um, being able to manipulate some of the money they, they're going to have to. Uh, I think this is the best opportunity. Only thing I need to see them do is get a running back because um, Alvin ain't no sunshine. Kamara. Might be might be a little busy, um, once this thing with Vegas and the the, the fight in the elevator or wherever it was, um, whatever comes from that could possibly make them have to look for a running back of stature in this upcoming draft. I also heard with Alvin Kamara that was self defense. I don't know how the NFL is going to handle it. I don't know how they're going to go through it but i heard it was self-defense when it happened that was not this pro bowl pass that was pro bowl before that was over a year right. ago so the so first- the funny thing is it's like vegas is trying to all of a sudden rush push this through now whereas they had a year and they dragged their feet for a year and then i've heard both sides of the reports i've heard reports saying that that there is um evidence that it's not a self-defense and then i've seen the other side as well so we'll see on that now, do we have an exact number for Dirt Carr and this New Orleans deal? 
Um, or, give me a second. Because uh, I'm, I'm looking at numbers. You well, know, I'm, thoughts, let me, I'll pull it. Okay. Now, my, my, my thoughts on Derek Carr going to New Orleans. <laughs> Weak conference. He just became the best quarterback in his conference for the first time in his career. There's no other quarterback in the in the in the, in the uh, NFC South that's better than him. I don't know what Carolina's going to do. Uh, Atlanta, Mariota is probably number two. Tannehill is number three, and and four is whoever's in Carolina because you know it's Carolina and they're rebuilding, but they don't have a quarterback unless they go with Minshew, and it's four years, one hundred and fifty million, and. <laughs> that number it rubs so, me so, wrong. So hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna help you out. David okay. Tepper is not doing another year with just anybody at quarterback. So David Tepper, of course, is the owner of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, before he got the ownership of the Panthers, he was part owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he's seen this done right with Ben Roethlisberger. So he's not. He's wasted the last four years with some version of Cam Newton. Uh, Sam Darno, he's had Taylor Haneke, he's had what's the other one that's from that group? Baker Mayfield. Um, he's had Baker Mayfield. Um, um, so they've had oh, what, um, what's your boy from the XFL? Yeah, him too. Um, damn, I can't think of his name. I can see his face, can't think of his name. So they've had a cast of characters that none have been deemed a um. Starting quarterback, well, not starting quarterback, but a high quality starting quarterback. I'll say it that way. Sounds because I know you hold on hope for your boy from Temple. So, um, that's that's going to be number one on their their agenda. And I'm telling you right now, he's probably thrown. He's probably turned over chairs. He's probably gone in the, in the room and said, "Your job depends on getting me a quarterback." So I don't foresee Carolina not getting a quarterback out of this situation. There's no way he's going to allow that. And people keep their jobs. I'm telling you right now, Black Monday will be a whole. He will toss everybody out but the bathwater when it if if he doesn't get a quarterback this year. Well, like, don't even don't even come back from the draft. Just go no. ahead and fly off wherever you're gonna go. Don't 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 come back if you can't get me a quarterback. I get that, and I think that's that's the right approach. However, also in the South. Not on, I can't think. Uh, PJ Washington, right? PJ Walker, PJ Walker, that's his name. I know it's PJ. Him and Malik Willis are in the south. And I was just talking about Malik Willis yesterday in a conversation that how I had high hopes for Malik Willis, like I did Lamar Jackson, because the ability of things that they can do. Do you, and not to skip over Carolina, but do you think Malik Willis and PJ Walker get a chance? To be starters this year. Well, PJ, no way to hell. Um, like David Tepper, I'm, I'm dead serious on this. Tepper's not starting the season with anybody that's not seen as a legit number one quarterback. He will refuse. It, it, heads will roll. He will. He will go down and take the phone in the draft room if he doesn't get him a top notch quarterback. He wants one of these four. He's got to get his way into the top four somehow. Uh, because you can't wait. Uh, you can't. You don't have the ability uh, to wait when the guy that you want. You have to go get the guy that you want, and that's 
been emphasized by uh, Baker Mayfield going one overall to Cleveland when I thought he wasn't a number one pick. But if that's the guy you're high on, you go get your guy. And the same thing that New York did with Danny Dimes. Danny Dimes is not – he wasn't the six-best player in that draft, and but they wanted to make sure they got their guy. And that's just how – this is how the NFL works at times. If that's your guy, go get him. That's my belief system. So if I overpay, I'll overpay. But, I mean, you saw it in, in L.A. with the Rams. When they overpaid for Stafford, they said F them draft picks because they got a title out of it. Now they wallow in some of the uh, back end of that, but they have enough time to rebuild this roster um, with what they have on into next year. You make a couple trades and you rebuild it, restore it. Okay. But And then Malik, somebody, Malik got to go find somebody to get him to throw the ball better. Um and, and I don't know if he's going to – I don't know if Mike Vrabel wants to walk into this year with that as his number one guy. And, and the, But the beauty of it is with Rand Carthon as the GM, the new GM, I think you're going to see a, a change in philosophy. And I think we started to see some of that when we had the rumors of um, Derrick Henry being on the trade block. And yeah. I think that's going to be a reality. I think he's getting traded because Carthon comes from the house of Shanahan and he, where we don't believe in running backs, um, especially anybody over 27. So go ahead and get what you can for them and then build your stable up, um, get you two or three good running backs, and, and run your offense through that. You're going to see a bunch of guys leaving Tennessee this offseason, some of the higher-priced guys, so he can kind of mold this roster a little bit into his liking. Um, so you're going to see them do some work in the trenches, I think. Here's the problem, man. Uh, people have come out and said it. They don't like how Tennessee t- uh, treated uh, Lewin, Tyler Lewin. They don't like how he was treated. And to have Derek Carr on the, on, on the I'm sorry, uh, Derek Henry on the um, trading block, that's kind of weird. N- n- no, weird is the wrong question. Weird, weird is the wrong statement. I just that's told you. unusual. But no, it's not you unusual. Get, because that's 90% of your offense. Right. But if you don't believe in running backs, that, that means it's 10% of your offense. If you don't believe that, see, 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 here's the, here's the difference in that belief system that I keep telling you about. Over here in the house of Shanahan, we believe you can have multiple backs and still make up for it in the aggregate over time, and you're still gonna get the same type of production. You saw that with Sam. Now they went and got McCaffrey, and that was the only difference for them. But outside of that, they stick to what they do. I mean, Mike McDaniel's got four running backs right now in the system, and I think. That's kind of where Carthon came from. And um, I think just for for just his purposes, I can trade a piece, get max value for it, and help build pieces on this team, get us younger, get us cheaper. Because they still – who's their one receiver? I mean, the kid Trey Burks from Arkansas, they drafted last year. That's their number one. So they need, they need help there. Yeah, they traded their number one. And he they traded, no, they traded AJ Floor number one. No, no, AJ was your number one. No, you're not paying. They weren't paying them. Yeah, they weren't you're paying not them. Pay them. Don't, don't, don't let them stick around. Yeah, and they should have paid him. That was the thing. You should have paid him. Paid him and got him a quarterback. But the problem is, I, I see what you're going with this, but still, if that's your belief system, stick with your belief system. Okay. Fi- you won't have a lot of these moments tonight, I see. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> That's what we do. Derek Carr 
to New Orleans. He he's now he has Olave, possibly Kamara, depending on what happens with this Las Vegas incident. And Michael Thomas. If Michael Thomas decides to play. But word on the street that's been swirling around since the end of the season is he's on his way out because he's unhappy in New Orleans. I heard Denver as a landing spot. I've heard San Francisco. I've heard anywhere out west. Do you see Derek Carr to Michael Thomas being a reality in the 2023 season? Great question. Um, I'm going to go with I don't. Just because the last two years, Michael Thomas has not finished the season. It might even be three years now, but I'm going to go with two that I know for sure. And I think something's either wrong health-wise or something's just wrong where he just wants to get out of town. So I would let him go because, again, you're, you're at a point of diminishing returns. So if somebody wants to give you a third and a conditional or a second and a conditional, I say let's go ahead and move on because, again, like I said Sunday, like we're in a draft process where these receivers are ready a lot quicker than normally they normally would. So go get you a kid and plug and play and see what happens. And that's kind of what I think um, I think Tennessee tried to do with A.J. Brown and Trey Burks, but um, the kid Burks from Arkansas just got hurt early on and just never got on track. And you know, I'm something not saying that he would have been A.J. Brown, but it's just one of those situations where that's you get you if you get the returns, you, you're fine. And I think that I think that's the problem that some people have in this is this isn't perfect. This is a system where you're you're taking a chance every time. You know, I mean, think about uh, if you go back to what I say the model for the for the commander should be. The the 49ers had um, Eric Armstead and then the other tackle they got out of Oregon, um, both of the or- um, Buckner. And Buckner got traded to Indianapolis for their first-round pick. They draft Javon Kinlaw. Unfortunately, Kinlaws had injury concerns and injury issues the whole time, but that's the right move. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes when you make the right move, you don't always get the best result, but the move is the right move at the time because you're not investing um, upwards of 50 to 60 million into your tackle position. And that's kind of the position that the commander's in right now. And I've kind of pushed back on that because I kind of think that you kind of have to move on to some extent, but that's a whole different subject and a whole different topic. Well, um, I, I think we kind of flubbed this a little bit because we added a team to the NFC South that's actually in the AFC South, and that's Tennessee. Well, I was letting you go because I thought you were just trying to compare two I, young quarterbacks. I was, I, and I, I kind of I, I got to apologize to everybody. Listen, I got to apologize to you. I flubbed that because I was ha- talking about Malik Willis, and I totally left out what's going on in Tampa Bay. They don't even have a quarterback as of right now. Well, and, Tampa Bay has Trask. I mean, so so worst-case scenario – well, they I got trash too. With... I just dumped it. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. You know what I'm talking about. They got the kid Kyle Trash <laughs> from the University of Florida. Um, that's their that's probably their main option going in. And I think Blaine Gabbard is still in town. So that's their one, two, four right now until things play out. Um, the other situation we kind of walked over was Atlanta with Desmond Ritter. You know, Ritter's probably gonna be number one. Mariota's I think he's a free, he's a free agent right now. They've already let him go. So it, so so it's I, I don't get team. it. Why not? He can't. Mariota had a. And first of all, hold on. The boss BJ joins us tonight. What's going on, brother? How you feeling? Feeling good, fellas. How y'all doing? Good, good. good. 
we uh we talking about Carter New Orleans and him being a the best quarterback in the division now. Um and you know, I, I know B, I know you have strong feelings about Mariota. You take this on. Should Mariota have been re-signed in Atlanta because of what he did last season? Nah, I, I don't think so. What he do? I, I, I don't I don't think so. I, I think that you 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 know we, we know what the business of the NFL is. I think you you start Desmond Ritter. You know what Mariota can do, you know what his ceiling is. He's not gonna give you anything more than what he gave you this past season, and that wasn't anything spectacular. You know, um, is he a serviceable backup? You know, he, he can be that guy if your main guy go down and you just need two or three games just to survive. If you need him longer than that, you just pack it up for next year. He's not that guy. He, he's just a, a good bridge guy. You know, he can use his leg, but definitely wouldn't sign him long term. You got, you got to see what Ritter got. You got to see what you have there. And you, you got to know if you can rebuild your program, if you have the QB of the future, or if, if, if that's something you have to look for going forward. Here's the reason why I say that. Now, y'all say he didn't do anything. But this man sitting right in the middle. Here, right in the middle, did a whole segment of the three-headed monster in Atlanta. That was Mariota, Patterson, London. And as the season wore on, it became Tyson Allager, London, because Kyle Pitts never showed up. No. Kyle Pitts had a, a very bad rookie season, and it was very much in part to his quarterback play. But Drake London struggled because Drake London had some bad turnovers and b- bad plays. But, yeah, first two weeks of the season, that's, that's where I thought they were going to be. I thought they were going to be a fast-break offense and get the ball down the field. Then he showed me he couldn't throw. He got hurt. Once you can't, once you struggle to throw, he left. He left money on the table, and that's why they went to Desmond Ritter. What five weeks left in the season? Six weeks, and you were still somewhat in the hunt. Yeah, and KG, that's that's part of the game. Unfortunately, health is part of the game. You can't stay up upright. You can't stay healthy. Unfortunately, that goes into if you're part of a team's long term future. That's true. But, but it's even simpler than that. It's the fact that his his ceiling gave you no reason not to say, let me go see what this kid can get do for me. He gave you no reason. He gave you no reason to shut Desmond Ritter out of playing football that year, this year, this last season. And then the way they ran the football with Cardio Patterson, Cordero Patterson, and Tyson Algier. Um, they're going to be okay no matter what. They're going to be right around seven to eight wins just because they're going to ground and pound you with Arthur Smith's offense. The problem, their difference maker really is their quarterback. Their quarterback is the difference between them being not having nine to ten wins and them having seven. And, and you and you go go north. You you see, you know, before Brian Dayball came to the Giants. You know, we thought Daniel Jones is 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 this what we're gonna get from him? Is this is this it? You know, is this his ceiling? Dayball comes in, and you can see now, like, hey, he might be able to get squeeze all the juice out of Daniel Jones. And you didn't, you, like, like the Midnight Rider said, you didn't, you don't get that feeling from Mariota. You get Mariota is what he is. That's that's all you're gonna get from him. 
and he'll be a serviceable. He'll have he'll have a good future as a backup quarterback. He'll make money. Mm-hmm. Okay. And great segue from the boss BJ. Speaking of Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones got four years, hundred and sixty million dollars, uh, eighty-two million dollars in guaranteed money. He would have got $300 million if he played the Washington Commanders every game for 17 weeks. He would have got $300 to $450 million because that dude plays lights out against us. And I don't understand why we just beat him for the first time a couple of months ago. But Daniel Jones, four years, $160 million, which means Saquon Barkley gets franchise tag. They keep their team together. I'm gonna start with the boss BJ. What's your thoughts on this uh this deal, man? <laughs> Did he? I ain't gonna say that he deserved the money. It's not for us to say, well, he deserved this or he deserved that. But what, what's the thoughts on this this deal? Was this good for New York or should um should Daniel Jones roll over and smoke a cigarette? Well, I, I think I think the main thing is that just like I just talked about. You feel like if you're the Giants organization, do I feel like they overpaid a, a bit? I do, you know, because I think he's making what 15 more million than Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you know, and we 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 all know that that he's not worth what Patrick Mahomes is, but that's that's not neither here or there. But if you are if you're the Giants and you feel like that, you know, that you can build off this run you just had. And if he had beat the Eagles, they would have. He would have had way more money. If he had beat the Eagles, he would have had way. It would have been. It would be a question if they had beat the Eagles. He would have had way more money. But you have the feeling that they, you know, and I, we've said this on the podcast before that Brian Dayball is grooming him the same way Josh Allen is being used in Buffalo. And if that's the case, and if you if he can get that. And you can, you know, fine tune your weapons. Then, yeah, you know, you got a dual threat quarterback um, that shown he can. He, he has a little bit higher ceiling than what we thought. So, I mean, it, that's the market right now, you know. And, and if Patrick Mahomes gets redone, he's gonna be probably 50, 55. You know, it, it, you know, it's just what the market calls for right now, and quarterbacks. Or a dime a dozen. If you don't, we talk about it all the time. If you don't have one of these top ten quarterbacks, your chances of progressing past the wild card round, divisional rounds are slim to none. You got to have one of these one of these ball of quarterbacks to win. You, Patrick Mahomes and and Jalen Hurts just proved that over this season. So the deal four years one sixty. So let's take out 35 because that's incentives money. So now we're down to about 125. 82 of that is guaranteed in the first two years. So essentially, and then it says 94 virtually guaranteed at signing. So I see this as a three year, $94 million deal um, for them. So he's probably getting about 30. 31, 32 million a season. I think Daniel Jones did a very good job of working the system and working the deadline. 
the reports were he wanted 45. The Giants wanted to pay him 35. Somehow, over if you look at the contract at face value, he's right at the number 40. So two men, two groups of people came in the room and said, let's meet in the middle, hack this up, and then chop it up however you want to chop it up. So I think Daniel Jones' team did a good job of getting him the money and getting them paid. Um, I think the fact that he had leverage is really what made this deal happen. The fact was they didn't want Saquon to hit the open market and his number to skyrocket. So they had to almost, they were being held hostage. This was inside man. Um, this is Pelham one, two, three or whatever that joint is, whatever, any hijack movie you want to call negotiator, whatever it is, that's what happened here. You know what I'm saying? He he knew that he had them by the throat in the last couple of minutes of this, and he, he kind of asked for what he wanted, and he was going to get most of what he wanted. He wasn't going to get all of it, but he was going to get most of it. And that's what happened here today is he, he took advantage of the situation, and this deal came in at the, the very last second. This was like a buzzer beater. So this deal came through, the franchise tag get thrown to Saquon, and then all of a sudden the deadline hits and, and business is done for the day. So Daniel Jones maximized his potential and his earning possibility by playing the game the right way. Here's my thing. When I saw this roll across on ESPN, I never thought Daniel Jones would get a contract like this at any time in his career because I was like, okay, he's a Duke quarterback. Name me, before Daniel Jones, name me a Duke quarterback that has played well in the league. Oh, um, well, he didn't play long enough. It's a backup. I, I can pull the name if you give me time. You got time. Because I, I got to go back real, even further. The last Duke quarterback I know that played well in the league, and he played well enough to be a Hall of Fame, and that's Sonny Jurgensen. It's the last Duke quarterback I know of. If I'm wrong, please let me know. But when uh, Daniel Jones, this, this, um, give me a second. I, I'll, I'm efforting on his name. Okay. When 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 Daniel Jones was picked in 2019, he was picked ahead of uh, Dwayne Haskins, who I felt was the better quarterback, had the better college career, even though he only played one full year. I said this, the, the numbers don't lie. The stats don't lie, you know, but Daniel Jones has, like the boss BJ said, maximized on his, his potential. And having Brian Dable is not a bad situation either, you know. A, 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 a coach that's willing to cultivate you, willing to work with you, and Dable is exposing his strengths but hiding his flaws. How many games this year was Daniel Jones the leading rusher for New York? More than half? And it's not because Saquon wasn't getting the ball. Because when he was passing, he was hitting Saquon on the backfield. Saquon was tearing it up. It was a game. I think Saquon had uh, Honey Yards receiving and Honey Yards rushing. Daniel Jones still had 112. You know, they had something that was working early in the season because they kept moving. They kept going. And they stumbled down the end. But they saw what they had. And I I, I just I, I didn't think the number was going to be this high, but hey, he got it. Mazel tov. Congratulations, man. I, I, hey, 
You worked the system. You did what you had to do. You got your bread. I'm happy. Now, is he going to fall off like most players do once they get that first big contract? So I'm glad you asked that question because I was waiting for this. So first, the person that we were, I was thinking about was Thad Lewis. Um, he got a, he played a couple games in the NFL. He probably played five seasons if he played that long. But that doesn't mean anything about the greatness of two quarterbacks because you mentioned Sonny Jerkinson. Um, but that was a guy that stuck out of my head. I just couldn't think of who he was. Um, to kind of get back to your point, I think with Daniel Jones, the other thing that just really helped him out was New York's just not in a position. Like if you let him walk, you don't have anything. And another part about this is New York wasted money two years ago on um, Kenny Galladay, got nothing out of it. You played this year with some guys that um, nobody knew, Isaiah Hodgkins, um, you had Sterling Shepard, you had guys that were just there, and he put up some decent numbers. He wasn't great. So if you give him some extra talent, you give him a better tight end, you know, who's to say that this can't get better? Because he didn't have a bad season last year. He may have ran a little bit more than you wanted to, but still, it's a situation where he didn't – I mean, they had the kid from um, San Fran – the return guy, he was like their third best receiver, Ricky James. So, so when you do, when you have those situations, I mean, this, he has no opportunity but to go up in my mind because once you give him better talent, like we saw when when Buffalo went and got um, Josh Allen, they got him Steph Diggs. When you get the the quarterback for the, the, the a receiver that can bowl, everything changes. When Jalen Hurts got AJ Brown. That changed the whole dynamic of the offense. No offense to um, Devontae Smith, but A.J. Brown changes the dynamic of the offense, and Steph Diggs changed the dynamic of the offense. And what they need to do in New York is make sure they get somebody at receiver that can change the dynamics of the offense and give this kid something to look at. So when he goes to throw it, it's not um, Hodgkins or one of those guys dropping the ball like they did against the Commanders a couple times in and, and games that they should have blown them out. The defense is there. KJ, you keep saying something that Daniel Jones played his cards right. If you really think about it, New York paid Daniel Jones because they went. He didn't have a, he didn't have a move in the chess game. They mm. went and got Brian, Brian Dayball. Brian Dayball showed you what Daniel Jones is capable of and raised his ceiling from what we thought he had. We thought Daniel Jones was going – that was going to be it. You know, you, you can make a couple throws and – you know, run, and he had, I mean, that's still the basis of it, but he definitely evolved a couple levels under Brian Dayball. So if you think about it, the New York Giants actually cost themselves in the, in the Daniel Jones sweepstakes by getting Brian Dayball because if they don't get Brian Dayball, if you get another stubborn coach, and I'm going to say this until, my, until you rest it on my grave, if you get another stubborn coach that wants their way and their offense and doesn't tailor their their not just their their playbook, but the game plan. It's so much more to being an offensive or defensive play call. You have to have the playbook, you have to understand your personnel, and then you have to have play calling tempo. And Brian Dayball has all of that. He understands what he has. And like the Midnight Rider said, they're missing some weapons. If they get some weapons, like Philly did right in the division, right next door. 
this this is this team is going to evolve to another level. So the Giants actually, they if they didn't if they don't get Brian Dayball, maybe Daniel Jones makes what 15, 20 million, maybe. Possibly. They probably cost themselves somewhere in the ballpark of fifteen to thirty million paying Daniel Jones because of the season he had, because they hired Brian Dayball. Now that's not a bad problem to have because they're on the up. They they just need some to tweak a couple of pieces to get some more weapons, and now they got to fight with the Eagles, you know, to to get that division. So it's not a bad problem to have. Agreed. Now, see, I'm you, you talk about problems. I don't know, man. You, you, you we gotta call you the king of segways tonight because uh, here's a bad problem Lamar Jackson is given a non exclusive franchise tag, and Robert Griffin III said something. He compared Lamar Jackson to Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson 45 and 16 record, Daniel Jones 23 32 and 1 record, Lamar 26 uh, years old, Daniel Jones 25. Lamar has 101 passing yards compared to 60 passing yards. I'm sorry, passing TDs, 101 compared to 60 passing TDs for Daniel Jones. And he has 24 rushing TDs compared to 12 for Daniel Jones. Now, Lamar gets the non-exclusive, which is what? I think his his, his number 32. is 32.1. 32.1. So, Daniel Jones gets $82 million guaranteed. Lamar Jackson is head and shoulders above Daniel Jones. And I know injuries is a concern. That's a part of the game. And I know his availability, you know, sometimes what you say on Sunday, your best ability is availability. And I know sometimes he's not available for games for whatever reason. However, looking at Lamar, and we've been, we talked about Lamar before he was drafted how he should be a top 10 pick, if not top five. We've talked about all of this on different shows. If you go back and listen to our, our early shows back then, we praised Lamar Jackson. We knew what he could do. The simple fact that Baltimore is not trying to pay him, and it's like they're not even trying to come to the table. Well, okay, that's your number. We, you know, Your number's not our number. We're not going to talk. That's what it feels like. And if... Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, these guys can get paid. Why can't Lamar get paid? Thanks for taking my call. I hang up and listen. Who's going first? You want me to go first? Go ahead. So you're a you're comparing apples and oranges. They comparing still different situations. No, here's here's the, here's the reason why it's a different situation. Um, Daniel Jones is they didn't give him his fifth year, so he is on his fourth year becoming a free agent. And they expressed that they wanted to franchise Saquon over franchising Daniel Jones. So they had more impetus to make a deal. And the fact that um, he was coming to the table and giving them at least leeway, there's a whole big difference between getting 160 and wanting 250 guaranteed. That's a big difference. That's two whole different worlds. So, 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 so you can't compare those situations we're talking about 160, 150, and the guy willing not to have his deal fully guaranteed. The problem that Lamar is having is Lamar has – he wants the Deshaun Watson deal. He wants the team to be like, all right, we're giving you this. And the problem is he's played his cards wrong the whole time. 
He's playing his cards. Yes, it's him and his mama trying to make this deal. And Demora Smith is in the background. But the problem is Demora Smith has pushed the wrong narrative on this deal, trying to get everything fully guaranteed. And what's going to end up happening is the team's going to come in. They're going to make a deal. And they're going to put a couple, as we they always say in these in these contracts, but well, you can match them. There's going to be some poison pills in there, and that's where they're going to have. The, that's where Lamar is going to have the hope he can get his money. Is some of these deals, some of the terms in these deals, where Baltimore's like, no, we're not going to do this. That's the only way Lamar maximizes his money now, because Baltimore also took his legs from under him by giving him a non-exclusive. Because now that, that money starts at thirty-two. If they give him an exclusive, he'd have started at 40-something. So now they say, all right, well, prove to us that you can get the deal that you keep asking for and you keep telling me you want. So so what happened was, pardon the language, but Baltimore and got tired of Lamar talking this shit. So they're like, all right, we got they're in a dick measuring contest. That's what this is. This is a game of chicken, and we're gonna see who who folds first. Because it's not going to be the Ravens, and the Ravens are going to always do what they do, and it's come out of this with something. Like, they're not the commanders. They're not going to come out of this with, like, a third-round pick and, and, and get short-sold on this. They're going to come – I mean, their worst-case scenario is two first. Worst-case scenario. So, so again, they, they have control and they have leverage. The problem is Lamar gave away his leverage by not getting this deal done last year when he was supposed to. It's, it's, it, this is a messy situation, and we've been talking about it all season. And this relationship is damaged. This is beyond repair. Um, and I definitely agree what the Midnight Rider said. Is basically, hey, you this this deal you keep asking us for, go get it. Show us you can go get it. You get it. Well, we'll match it, or we'll just get the two first. There's going to be. A, I, I say this all the time. You know. And this is going back to when everybody's saying, oh, man, John Wall makes too much money. Nobody's going to trade for him. There's always there's always a willing participant. Always a willing participant. What you got, Midnight Rider? No, no, no. That's the word. All you need is one. That You just need one willing participant. There will always be one willing participant. Will he go to a better situation than the Ravens? Who knows? With the Jets, you know, the Jets talking to Aaron Rodgers. That deal falls through. The Jets are on the cusp of being dominant. They need a quarterback. You rent Aaron Rodgers for two seasons. You think you maybe you know, make something happen. They have the pieces in place. They're one of the few teams that have everything in place but a quarterback. Now, you know, yeah, it'll set the Ravens back a little bit. But, you know, we, we talked about my main issue with Lamar is health durability that's the main issue but lamar nfl mvp the ravens don't move without him so you would think that would count for something i think he hurt himself a little bit i'll never question if somebody's hurt or not but i really think if they had got a deal done lamar plays at the end of the season i really do i really do the playoffs i don't think tyler huntley gets a a sniff of, uh, I, I think that was just in spite of the Ravens, you know, on Lamar's side. And I think that's that's where we are, you know. Um, and, and even with the non-exclusive franchise, this is like, 
how many times you're going to spit in this man's face? Um, it, it is what it is at this point. Uh, like I said, somebody is going to come to the plate. Somebody's going to come to the plate and give Lamar what he wants. Might not be, maybe, maybe you know, maybe it's a, a three-year deal. Maybe it's not uh, the long-term deal he wants, but it's going to be fully guaranteed. Um, we'll see. Somebody's going to come to the plate. I, I know it. I just, we just don't know who it is yet. Here's the thing. This is kind of sort of not surprising from Baltimore because Baltimore does not keep quarterbacks. Let's say that. They gave Flacco the money, and I think that was the first time in Baltimore's history they gave a quarterback big money. That's uh, the person deserved it. Yeah, but you gave him that type of money, and look how much it destroyed the team. Because you couldn't repeat as champions because you had to give up so much. Now, remember, every year after Baltimore wins the Super Bowl, they go through this purge. When they won the Super Bowl in 2000, you had to get rid of most of your defense. You had to get rid of uh, Jamie Sharper. Uh, 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 God, um, most of your, your ends. I can't think of every, Michael McCurry, that's his name. You had to get rid of these guys that were vital to you winning this championship. You win in 2012. You can't re-sign Anquan Bolden because of that contract. Not bringing Anquan back, big mistake because that hindered your offense. You weren't able to sign guys that you really needed because of that contract. And I think they don't want to put themselves in a trick bag yet again with being a long-term quarterback with a contract, being a long-term contract with a quarterback to the point where you can't get weapons. But Lamar has no weapons. Get him some weapons and then let's talk about this. It, but it, it's not just the quarterback contract. I mean, you know, I, I say Buffalo all the time because that's the team I follow. They're cap strapped. They went all in. They're cap strapped. They got to do all these re resignings and restructuring. And, and Baltimore could do the same thing if they really wanted to pay Lamar. They really wanted to pay Lamar. They could do some things, move some things around. If I'm the GM, I don't give him a long term, fully guaranteed deal. I, I would do a maybe a two or three year deal with something, um, you know, fully guaranteed. But hey, I need you to play a certain percentage of these games, man. Like this, this is this is our issue, you know. Um, but I, 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 I don't know, man. It's 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 just messy. I hate to see it, and you know, I'm not gonna say what I want to say because I don't think it's that. But I just I think it's I think it's just his durability. And I think I know what you want to say. I'm just gonna say I'm, I'm gonna say I think I know. So so I, I keep I hear a lot of people push this narrative. Once you pay the quarterback, you can't do this. You can't do that. Hogwash. The the the, the Saints have been a team notoriously over the cap. They at one point they were 50 million over the cap, and they they somehow redid deals and restructured everything and made things work. Here's the problem. Baltimore has not drafted a decent wide receiver in the last in their existence. Years ago, their 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 best their second best receiver two years ago was Willie Sneed. So your quarterback doesn't get any options on the outside. And then they had a nerve to have Rashad Bateman go on Twitter to act like he was offended by something Eric DaCosta said. And dude, you only played six games. Hollywood Brown, yeah, he said something, but Hollywood Brown left the money on the table because he dropped so many deep balls. So what are we talking about here? Exactly. Like when it comes to Lamar, the problem is 
his supporting cast has let him down. The situation in Baltimore itself is Baltimore's a franchise that they plan for the future. So when they let somebody go, there's some guy, you don't know him, but he's sitting in the woods. It's them in Pittsburgh that always do this. Because nobody knows about the, the DN that Pittsburgh had last year, High Smith, that they drafted two years ago. And he had like 10 or 11 sacks last year. These That's what good teams do. You draft players. You develop players. You have players in the background, and they come in and they make a difference. And that's the only thing. You talk about Anquan Bolden, eh, okay, maybe. But you still got to be more dynamic on the outside when you're Baltimore. Baltimore, if, if it's not Isaiah Likely or it's not Mark Andrews, Baltimore last year wasn't getting anything done. The other problem they had that their two running backs were both hurt, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. So so Greg Roman laid on the sword for this because it really wasn't his fault. You put a decent running back behind a decent line in Baltimore, they they win most of those close ball games. That's their problem is, is they just aren't dynamic enough outside of Lamar. And now what they're doing is taking a chance on their system. And they're going to make a decision one way or the other. And there's going to be some hurt feelings behind this because this is a situation you shouldn't have gotten into. But we're here now and it's too late. So so you can't cry over spilled milk. And they got to figure it out. Okay. Okay. Um, Jeez. We're going to switch gears and we're going to move over to the NBA. I got to throw this one to the boss BJ first because he hasn't got a chance to say anything about it. But John Morant got the the Gilbert Arenas suspension indefinite, and it might be fifty games because more and more. Shams put fifty out there, huh? I thought I saw a report from Shams. Now this isn't bulge, so I'm gonna say supposedly or allegedly, it's fifty games that they're giving. Yeah, but I mean again, it's, it's Shams. It's Shams, not Woj. So that's the only reason I ain't taking this as gospel. <laughs> hey, Shams been doing pretty good lately, man. He's been driving some, some good news. I'm just saying, it's Shams. But here's the thing. A lot is coming out. The, the whole IG Live thing on Friday night with the gun. He was in Colorado in a strip club. So they said, well, he brung the gun on the team plane, which is a violation. Of NBA rules, go ahead. Not a question. Did he say yeah. if the wings weren't were the wings any good? I don't think they was Magic City good. I doubt okay. it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, Lou Williams got kicked out of the bubble because he drove all the way Atlanta for Magic City wings, some lemon pepper wings. And I, if it was anything else, if it was some honey barbecue with some blue cheese, chunky blue cheese dressing, I could see it. But lemon pepper wings, lemon pepper is trash. It's been overdone. Please stop it. It is garbage. Anyhow, Boss BJ, brother, we've talked off air about this situation. I want to sit back and I want to listen. I want you to put it on wax. Your feeling of the whole Ja Morant situation as it stands right now with everything we know. Well, you know, it's as 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 a black man. Um. I want him to get all 50, all 50 games, because I'm tired of this, um, this dumbass glorifying the hood stereotype that for some reason people feel like they need to be 
accepted by the hood. I, I'm just so tired of it. This man got, for, first of all, he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know a sniff of that lifestyle because we know his background. Doesn't even know a sniff of that lifestyle. You carrying a gun with you for protection. I completely understand that. But this show and tell, this you got to show everything on social media. You want to be perceived a certain way. And it's just garbage, man. I'm so tired of this. And it's a couple people, a couple players, well, not a couple, several players that spoke on it. And me and KG talked about one in particular. And I'm, I'm going to say this, and I hope he makes it into the real and puts it all over the Internet. That clown-ass Steven Jackson, you know, I didn't even listen to what he had to say encouraging about John Morant. Okay? Big guy KG said he, he listened to it. Good, good encouraging words. I can't listen to anything he said. This is the same grown-ass man a couple of months ago checking into O-Block. So you're perpetuating a stereotype just in a different way. I have nothing I want to hear from Steven Jackson at all. He's completely discredited. Okay? that And I told KG that I don't want to hear what he said. I don't care what he said. Um, but John Morant, got, he, he's going to have some... You know, he's he, he going to have a lot of time to sit and think. You know, I know he's, you know, one of the faces of the league, bright star, game out this world. But it has to be consequences for these actions. And, you know, I know I'm getting old because I'm just so tired of seeing this stupid shit with these players that have everything. I don't even watch this game right now because it's like, like every get every other game you tune into, your star player sitting out. Like I, I, I can't. I, I don't even. I barely watch the NBA. I think I may have, may have watched two games this season, and I told y'all because of you know the situation in Washington, I was boycotting. I, you know, I was serious about that. You know, um, you know that's a whole different situation, but I want him to get all fifty games you give him the gilbert arenas treatment and you sit his ass down you let him his dad and you let all of them think about it like man like you know you look you yeah you put out the apology i don't even care for those anymore because that's what you have to do that's what your publicist is telling you do that's what the grizzlies is telling you have to do so i, I don't i don't care for the apology because you know why and this is something we talked about probably on a podcast last year, accountability. Right now, big guy KG, Midnight Rider, if we go flash a gun somewhere, we don't have the resources of the Memphis Grizzlies and a good lawyer to get us out of the situation. We're going to jail. So if I know better as a working working man, paying my money to see the NBA, this, that, and the other, that I damn sure don't want to see it from athletes that don't make millions and millions of dollars. It's just, uh, it's just so stupid that you're willing to throw your, your whole career away. You know, you know, he'll be back playing even if he gets to 50 games, but it's just mind blowing what people would do. People of color. I saw people call right now to go through, to get accepted by a place that chews out and spits out people looks like me daily. That has no care in the world for people look like look like me, and never has. 
but to be wanting to be associated, all this checking in, dumb bullshit, and and to want to perpetuate that lifestyle, like, yeah, I live this. Like, why? Why? That's not, that's not nothing to be proud of. Yeah, if somebody's doing a 30 for 30 on you in the story, you, you know, yeah, you you always respect your where you came from and your you know your beginnings and how you came up. But it's people out here like glorifying that shit. And I just I as a 42-year-old man, I just I still to this day I don't understand it. And I never will. And I'm I'm sitting here, standing here. I want him to get all 50 games. Well, I think he's going to get all 50. Uh, and you mentioned players or former players speaking out, uh, Jalen Rose. And it's the, the difference. This is a few differences that I noticed. When Steven Jackson spoke out, everybody was applauding. Oh, yeah, great. OG t- speaking up for him. But then when Jalen Rose spoke out, oh, what can Jalen Rose tell him? How to get a haircut and where to pay $100 for? But I, I, I had to catch myself got to remember who who we're talking what you know who's talking y'all don't realize you know this younger generation doesn't know that Jalen rose is in the streets he was actually in a drug bus that they actually covered up and you know they lost the paperwork and i'm glad they did as a a fan of the fan five i was absolutely happy about it you know however him giving advice about circles and people who you to be around that's where you need to listen at then on the other hand nike nike dropped kyrie irving like a hot potato they released a statement say we're going to stand beside job morant to uh hopefully he gets the help that he needs yeah so punching a 17-year-old in the face and putting a gun in his face, he'll stand beside it. But sharing a movie link that's on Amazon Prime now, it's still $10.99 on Amazon Prime. Sharing a movie link and saying, form your own opinion, gets you cut. That's where you know, that's where you draw the line at. Okay, Nike. All right. Whatevs. It's so much back and forth and hypocrisy. Uh, I agree with the boss, BJ, about glorifying hood culture. You don't have to glorify it. Some of us have lived it and don't want to live it anymore because we lived it for so long. You don't sit there, oh, I'm from this hood, I'm from that hood. You 45 years old, you still claiming hoods? Really? Come on, man. We got to be better than that. We have to be. Just my opinion. I, I'm not... I don't thump my chest and say, well, I'm from here. I'm from there. No, I'm, hey, man, I was born in Maryland, raised in D.C. That's it. I don't sit there and thump my chest about what hood I'm from. I don't have to pull out a gun when somebody makes me angry. I just look at you like you're crazy and laugh and walk away. But I, uh, Midnight Rider, what you got on this before we go on, man? I'm, I'm just glad they suspended like, make it. Make, make it make it make sense. Um, I hear you on the Nike thing, but I think there's other parameters. There's a, a little thing called power um, involved in the Nike case. If one group has power, another group doesn't have power. So that makes everything make sense in that situation. 
as to why you get cut for one and you don't. You know, it's a simple thing is whose lives do you value more? You still got to struggle to make sure black lives matter. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to turn that into any other, any kind of thing. But when, when, when the struggle for the words black lives matter to matter, and then for simple words about a movie matter more, it already shows you where the world values life. And I'm going to leave it at that. Um. <clears throat> yeah, that's it. That's all I got. I don't, want, I don't even have to go no more because we talked a lot about Ja the other day. And like mm-hmm. Ja is just, he got to figure it out. You know, every, every athlete comes to, sometimes athletes have to get to this crossroads to figure out what you're going to be. And it's absolutely crazy to me because when you said you're going to leave it right there, you ain't going to go. I, I know what that is. And I love that you did that because I, I, I was. I was getting cranked up. <laughs> We're going to leave it at that. So our final topic for the night. Kendrick Perkins put his foot in his mouth today and um, said some things. And J.J. Reddick had to check him. Now, J.J. Reddick is the guy, you know, one of – and J.J. Reddick, let me say this. He would thrive in this type of NBA right now with the long ball because, you know, this dude used to pull up from the logo – down in the Maui Invitational, and he was the first person I ever seen do that. Pull up from the logo and shoot. He was shooting beyond NBA range in college, but he would thrive in this. But, you know, he's also the the analyst that said that, oh, the guys back in the days were firefighters and plumbers and things like that. However, he kind of sort of redeemed himself just a, a smidgen, not much. He dug into uh, Kendrick Perkins, who said that he feels there's racial bias in the MVP race in the NBA. And Barkley even got him. Um, here's a, I'm reading an article from, what is this from? Uh, unfortunately, Fox News. Um, Perkins suggested there was racial bias since three players since 1990 have won an MVP despite being outside of the top 10 in points per game. Uh, Jokic in his first MVP campaign of 2021, Dirk Nowitzki in 2006 and t- 2007, Steve Nash and 0405 and 0506 are all all three are white. Here's my thing. Out of that list, <laughs> Nash didn't he, he beat out Kobe and Shaq for those two. And I think they just kind of handed it to him just to say, hey, here, Hank, here, Canada. You know, we're gonna give you this. But do you gentlemen think there's racial bias in the MVP race that they're just trying to say, well, we're gonna give it to a white player? You know, is that it? Boss, I don't know if we. Lo- I think we may have lost them for a second. Uh, so I'll go ahead. Um, see, you, you you poke in the hornet's nest because I'm not gonna say it's racial bias, but what I will say is I think there's a level of favoritism in all of this. Um, I think Nash's two MVPs are the worst displays of um reporter bias because the reason they really was doing that is because they didn't want to give kobe the 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 thing because he was in colorado having a case um the dirk one he really did i mean okay whatever see see i think it's funny how the analysts get tired of giving certain athletes awards and like after the second one 
they try to find reasons. They try to find stories or narratives that they're going to push throughout the course of the season to make sure that this player doesn't get the MVP. Because I don't care what you say. I mean, yeah, Jokic is a nice story, but Giannis is carrying Chris Middleton every night and, 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 and Drew Holiday while they're nice pieces, but that ain't nothing special to write home about. Joel Embiid is doing his thing. So so there are guys that have great situations and great stories. And, and if this if Jokic was a I'm not even gonna say that if I just think if Jokic didn't have the media at his side, that this wouldn't be him going for a three P because we will be putting history in the play. We will be comparing his narrative to every other guy that has either never had a three peak and why he doesn't deserve a three peak. And that's the story for me. So I, I think Perky's on the right path. He just chose the wrong ism. The MVP race is all about favoritism, not race-ism. It's a lot of a lot of isms going on. It really is. And you know, back to what I was talking about with the whole Nike thing. Yeah, that's an ism. Whatever ism you won't pick on that. That's an ism. You know, and it is favoritism because um I I <laughs> You know, I hate to say it like this, but I, I bet you if that I, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. I'm gonna leave it alone. I'm gonna leave it alone. But yeah, I mean, look, we said for a long time that the people that you know, the NFL owners, NBA owners, were basically entertainment for them. Modern day slavery. It is what it is. We love these games of death. We follow them. But when our issues come up, our issues always get pushed to the side. You know, we're not smart enough. We're, we, you know, we, we, I just sent, I, I want to say I sent it to both of you guys that the NFL whole, um, the, the CTA thing. Yeah. You, you know, you read that. It, it, it's just, it, it's never going to change. It's gotten better. You know, it's it gotten better here and there. But, you know, um, it's just one of them things that the segment of the show isn't enough to talk about it because it's it's way deeper than what we can ever. It's 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 an endless rabbit hole, you know. You're gonna get to the end of the rabbit hole. You can go through a wormhole, and then you're gonna be lost forever. So, and then you're gonna learn new things and come back up and hate other things. <laughs> it's, it's, it was like a metaverse. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You you know, it's it's just endless. So, um, yeah, I, I, it is what it is. Unfortunately, it is what it is at this point, and I don't think we have the player culture to put the brakes on it. They just don't. I think that when it's time, this is, I don't understand why Perk decided to throw out a racism card when I, the thing is, most valuable player, that's the most valuable person of a team that a team cannot win without. The year that Peyton Manning missed the whole entire season, and what was that, 2011, he missed the whole entire season because of his neck. I said he should have been voted MVP because he proved he was the most valuable player. <laughs> he missed the whole season. Then you think about the MVP race of. I want to say that was 63. 
where Wilt was averaging 50 and 25 in 63. Uh, Elgin Baylor was averaging uh, 36 and 16. Uh, 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 the Big O had a, was averaging a triple-double that season. But Bill Russell averaged 18 and 20 and won MVP. But everybody said, oh, that was the worst MVP race. No, that was the tightest MVP race. But nobody was saying, you know, it's bias or it's favoritism here and there. But this. But it would have. All right. So, first of all, I'm glad you broke down the 1963 MVP race. I'm going to get my reel to reel. And, and break down some film and see what I can find out about this. Mike, this is what I keep telling you about. Like, 63, like you said it so casually. Like, we were supposed to be like, oh, yeah, damn, 63. How can I forget 63? Yeah. How could you forget he does, it? He does it all the time. Like, you supposed to pull up that. You remember that Lakers sucked this game in November? Oh, my goodness. That was a bomb, hey, bro. No. 1963 MVP race. All right. How um, could you forget that? That is one of that's one of the most talked about NBA topics and has been for the last couple of years because everybody thought, well, Wilt should have won that because he averaged 50 and 25. Okay, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get us past this because we're gonna be stuck here forever if I keep making jokes about this. <laughs> but it goes back, but even if you look at it there, that goes back to the narrative of the favoritism part because Boston was kind of the team that was on the map at that point. And Bill Russell and Boston was the face of, of, of that era. So it would be easy and behoove them to put the MVP in his hands in that scenario. Not saying he because of course I missed that. You know what I'm saying? I didn't I didn't have a tape. I didn't have ESPN plus back then. So I didn't see the games. So I'm not up on my 1963 MVP race. I, I, but I'm, um, loading up, I'm loading up the videos now. You can't <laughs> load up that video. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> Yeah, I use the Dewey Decimal System in a library and get you a real to real. You you didn't ask how I was loading up. I got it saved on um my my floppy drive. Mm, mm. Yeah, it, it's 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 I don't even know what tube that is that you can find that that joint on. But, I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That was sixty two. It wasn't sixty three. It was sixty two. You know what? That's why I was thrown off because you said sixty two and not sixty three. Um, but seriously, like. I, I just think these reporters, and this happens all the time, and I think we've talked about this in other iterations of when the reporters vote, um, that sometimes their personal preferences get in the way of actual um, justice or the actual right thing being done. Like we, we always talk about the Hall of Fame voting and how certain guys in the Hall of Fame get in. And I think that's the, one of the biggest popularity contests outside of the Pro Bowl. Um but it's just guys that get in because, you know, this guy likes him, this guy is this, and blah, blah, blah. And I just really think we're in a point where they really don't want to put this mantle on anybody else yet. So we're going to try to push the narrative of the big European guy. Because next year the 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 the, the person's going to be is um, Luca. It's going to be Luca's MVP for the next two years coming up because that's the guy they want to push. It's plain and simple. Man, but my thing is, why can't why can't it just be an MVP race? Why does? And I hate I hate when people say this, but this is one of them times. It's, it's true. Why you gotta bring race into it? You call you call Jokic a stat pattern. 
Why do you have to bring oh. race into it? Think about it, KG. If he doesn't bring race into it, what are you talking about today? You're talking about John, John Morant's suspension. You're talking about the NFL. You're not talking about Kendrick Perkins and what he said. Sometimes okay. you got to make a splash. And one thing I've always said about Kendrick Perkins, because if you think he can be replaced easily, he doesn't do anything special. But one thing he does, he's a hot box. And he would create topics for you to talk about for the rest of the week. And he is very good at doing it. Otherwise, Kendrick Perkins is worthless. He's he's a you know what it is? He's a more improved Ryan Hollins. Because Ryan Hollins tried to play, play that card, and Hollins just was just too erratic. And you just like, yo, dog, come on. Like you just couldn't t- believe it, take anything he said seriously. So that's how he fell out of favor. And Kendrick was the guy that took stepped into his place. Let, let me let me show you guys this this this, this graphic real quick. Oh, here we go. It's the black and white. Oh, you got it in color. Oh, snap. of course I got it in color. Now that that's your 1962 MVP race. Everybody looks at this and says, "Well, Wilt should have won that." But you act wow. like Baylor didn't didn't average a double double at thirty. He had thirty eight and eighteen. You know, uh, uh, come on, just come on. Bob Pettit, thirty one and eighteen. Who, who won the Bob championship? Bob Pettit. Okay. You say what? Who won the championship that year? Uh, I believe the Celtics did. There you go. That was the Celtics run. And, and, you know, it should be the only regular season MVP award. Um, but, I mean, like, like it, it, it's so deeply rooted. It's funny. And I've said this for a while since we started this podcast in 2017, that the reporters, baseball, anywhere they have a vote at football, they should not be allowed to vote on Hall of Fame, MVP, none of it. Because if you're not in favor with them, Brian Mitchell, or if you you kiss their ass, Drew Pearson, you get in the Hall of Fame. And that and that's just the reality of it. Whether you're a Hall of Good player, whether you're that borderline player, and you, you transition over to you know, uh, media, and now you're a buddy-buddy with everybody, and all of a sudden you get in in a couple years. Um, that shouldn't determine whether you get in the Hall of Fame, whether you get the MVP, um, you know. And then it's like it's a double-edged sword because I said something to KG. I think social media has ruined a lot of players. A lot of players that played, you know, that you know that, that that's retired now, you see that they didn't have the work ethic. You know, who was that talking about? They like Orioles so much they, they couldn't play for the Heat. I forgot who that was. Who was hmm. that? Ah, I can't remember his name. Yeah, but Pat, Pat crazy with his. No, but Pat got your weight down to, to every number. Yeah. No, I, I, I understand that, but what I'm saying is players are exposing themselves not to have that drive. And you see how many players, Steven Jackson, that clown. You don't, you don't like double stuff Orioles? Look. The lemon kind? Hey, look, I love them, but I ain't playing in the NBA. See, that's why <laughs> you ain't. You couldn't get playing in the NBA. But it's a, it's a. It, social media is exposing a lot of guys that don't have that drive. That think they have that drive, but they don't have that drive. And I think the game itself is doing that. 
<sighs> I think when you when, like you said you don't watch the NBA, but when I watch this game, um, thanks to FanDuel for same game parlays, especially mm-hmm. the same game parlay <laughs> special they run on Tuesday nights with TNT, um, where you can get your your money back. Um, it's a no was a no risk bet. Uh, shameless plug. So. I don't know. With gambling, I, I still watch more NBA than I want to. But last night, there was a point um, I turned to the 76ers and the Pacers game. And it was like 101-98 or 101-88, something like that. And I'm fully expecting this to be the fourth quarter. It was the third. That game ended 147-143. I, I, I didn't know what to do, yo. I, I I knew all my all my my my, my um, props did, but still, just like we at 101, and it's only the third quarter. And then I listened to Kevin Sheen a couple of weeks ago. He's like, "Yo, the way this game is being played, we're gonna have a point where in the first half, I think somebody scored 80 a couple of weeks ago." He said, we're going to have a point where there's going to be a 100-point score in the first half of a regular season ballgame. And I and I don't doubt that. I definitely don't doubt that at all. The way this game is being played now, um, they can be more skilled. but And they can say you when you play defense, you foul. That's why 80s babies say fouling. But there's a point where you got to have some effort when you play defense. So, so I don't know. I, I I can't I can't stick with all that what they talk about. But <laughs> I'm gonna tell you something. And, and this is something that the Ice Man said, George Gervin. He said back in the day, we wasn't playing basketball. We was hooping. Right. We was hooping. They what they doing now? They playing basketball. We don't we don't recognize that. We was hooping. And I agree with that wholeheartedly because it wasn't. I could hand check you, and you didn't get upset about me hand checking. You did what you had to do to get around me to score. I can W in in, in um rec ball and you not get mad. So yeah. no doubles. Yeah. And the thing is, if I W in rec ball, you already know it's coming. So you already looking for the open man. But that's what help you get better because you that's what you see. See, like the, the they, certain people don't get that when you practice it, it becomes easier for the game. Like we used to run a drill where we used to run our press five on seven. So the defense had seven people on the court. And our kids used to be like, why are we doing this, coach? I was like, if you can beat seven people, when it comes to the game and it's five of them, what the hell do you think you're going to do in that situation? Hey. Sometimes, oh, I'm sorry. I ain't going to go start preaching because I was about to go into a whole thing. But, no, that's, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, got, no, I got no beast with it because it's truth is truth. And we're in the we're in the age now where truth has become the new hate speech. Because when you speak the truth, that's when you know somebody say you hating, or you, you know it's hate speech. You know I didn't got banned a couple times, you know, couple suspensions from Facebook and, and Instagram because I spoke the truth. And you know, well, you it's hate speech. So yeah. But last but not least, wrapping it up tonight. Um, coming home locally. The Merlin Turpins men's team is the number six seed in the Big Ten in the Big Ten tournament, which starts on Wednesday night, tomorrow night. And they uh, are awaiting the 
winner of Minnesota, Nebraska. Um, and then after that, whoever wins that game between Maryland and, and the winner of that game goes on to face Indiana. Uh, Maryland kind of played themselves out of, not going to say out of contention, but they played themselves out of a better seed by going 11 and nine in the conference. But uh, Maryland is doing the damn thing at home. Um, if I'm not mistaken, eight, 20 home wins. So, and the Maryland women are playing great at home too. I think they got 20 home wins. So uh, locally, we'll see what Maryland can do. Hopefully they can get a nice seed, you know, start out West and work their way back like they normally do. I mean, that seems to be the key for Maryland, at least make the sweet 16. So I, I, that's, I'm not going to say that's my dog horse, but uh, I think they're going to go pretty far. Um, I don't know if the boss BJ want to drive to Chicago this week. You know, we, we, we roll up to Chicago. We can get tickets for the, um, the big 10 tournament. So, uh, what y'all thinking? March eighth through the twelfth. It's the Big Ten. Now go ahead, BJ. No, no, I was just gonna say about Maryland. It's you know, it's baby steps, and we'll we'll see how they do in the Big Ten tournament um, because it's not going to be College Park. <laughs> so you know, away from College Park, this team is horrible. So they're going to have to, you know, you know, like I said, it's baby steps. You got to learn how to win. You, you defend your home court. That's really important. You know, they, that's half the battle. Um, but they got to get that edge and they got to figure out how to get a W on a road. They, who do they just right. lose to it in the NFC? Was it Penn State? Yes. Yeah. They, they dropped that to Penn State. And that was the game. They probably could have got a better seed. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm, I'm happy how they played this year. Um they they fight they scratch they claw, but it, you know it's, it's time to time to turn the switch on now, uh, gentlemen. It's March. Well, I'm looking at uh, <clears throat> the tickets available. We're gonna be sitting in the nosebleeds, gentlemen. But if we do this right, we can sit with the bar and um, section three hundred six, row nine, seat three through four, three hundred fifty dollars just for the Big Ten tournament. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, if you gotta... I think I'm good on that because um, <laughs> I got something to do. I gotta, I gotta save my fish from drowning. So. <laughs> is that is that an all day ticket? I think that that's uh, I think that's supposed to be. Excuse me, every every uh, uh the whole week. Oh okay. Oh, I'm hoping that's the whole week. Like that's nah, not. Nah, that's not the whole week, KG. Nah, it might be money week. that way. Might be the. You you a day pass on that. Or a night pass. Yeah, because it is it's it's broken up into that where you can you can do session one, session it's seven sessions. Yeah, but the whole yeah, week, yeah. you know, if I gotta pay three fifty for the whole week and I'm I can watch basketball the whole week, but it's just nothing when I say it's nothing available. So you, back in, you back on the nineteen sixty three prices. <laughs> uh, Five cents and a piece of bubblegum, son. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Meatloaf for a dollar and fifty cents. <laughs> Yesterday's prices ain't today's price, so I get you. But damn it, ain't nothing. Uh, it's no, nothing no, on the floor. I gotta, I gotta give Will a, a, a um, thumbs up. He did a better job with this team and got better results than I thought he was gonna get. Um, you also gotta give 
um, the women's team props because when I saw them against South Carolina early in the season, I didn't see. I thought Brenda Freeze was going to be fighting to get this, keep this team relevant, and they came out and they showed some um, worth. Uh, the concern is going to be Kentucky I mean, Connecticut on the women's side because it looks like they're starting to get a little healthier. Um, but you still got South Carolina out there. And then on the men's, um, you know, it's, we talked about tisms and isms and the whole nine. I got you, man. Um, Come on. That's 350 a ticket, y'all. Let's go. Kelvin Sampson. We, no, no, no. We gotta give if we're gonna give flowers with flowers, dude. You gotta give Kelvin Sampson his flowers because they tried to shun him um after the incident in Oklahoma and he came back and he's taking Houston. He's made the Houston Cougars the most relevant Houston's ever been since the five slammer jamma crew. Mm. So 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 all the talk, all the, the, the things that he did, the phone calls or whatever, his problems at Indiana, they gotta some at some point somebody gotta stop. And say Kelvin Sampson is a damn good basketball coach. Um, and then the other person they gotta recognize is the, the cat at UCLA, um, Cronin. I mean, these both of these guys got these teams in the top four, top five, uh, and they've been on a little hiatus, especially UCLA. So they gotta make it known. And I hope both of those programs, because I feel like on 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 the surface, I feel like this is gonna be a chalk um tournament. I think we're going to see more of the better teams, uh, the older teams. And I'm going to give away one of my trade secrets. But I think this year I'm going to go with a lot of the older teams to get further in the tournament um, as opposed to some of the young teams. And I think if Carolina makes it, they're going to be in trouble because they don't understand the team concept of basketball. Their heads got too big last year by making the finals, and they feel like they can turn it on and do whatever it is when they want to. And I think the problem they're going to have is they're going to be turning on and off in the NIT. Mm. Mm. Well, that is all our time for tonight. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. Mm. We'll be able to talk a little bit more college basketball on Thursday because that's when all your tournaments ramp up. And, you know, they started tonight. They st- I thought oh. it was to Wednesday. Nah, somebody, st- the um, ACC, I think, started tonight. Oh no no no! West Coast, uh, I know West Coast. Uh, the WCC yeah. was uh, over the weekend. Yeah, and then, they, and then they, they had a game that was on at like three a.m. And, and don't I know I know you're a hater of baseball, but the World Baseball Classic just started, so we gotta you know what I'm saying. You gotta get that some love, even though it's too early for baseball. But yeah, no, it's never too early for baseball. And no, I'm not a hater of baseball. I mean, how can you be a hater when you got 28 World Championships? I mean, how can I be a hater? Come on now. Mm-hmm. Come on, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. So, for the boss, BJ, the Midnight Rider, I'm the big guy, KG. We don't do no overtime, y'all. We are out of here.